welcome to the Champions Cast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spateri, reunited with Allison Aletha. Al, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Was there was there like you were thinking about that answer? Uh, no, my sister decided to walk in, so that was fun. <laughs> uh, joining us, uh, rounding out our our merry band today, is a first time guest but longtime listener, Corey Richmond. Corey, what is going on, brother? Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm very very happy to be here. It's good to have you. It seems like this should have happened a long time ago because we you know we've been talking forever about the podcast, and you know eventually. You've joined Zelda Dungeon staff. It feels like it's long overdue. Yeah, it's been a you know, it's been a journey, but I'm making my way up in the world. Made it to the Champions Cast. Yeah, you know, you've hit the big times when you hit the champion. You started with virtual theater, and now you're in the big leagues. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, which, what's also a shout out to Corey. He helps with uh, with our virtual theater podcast that you probably heard us plug ad nauseum last week when we were doing our Final Fantasy episode. <laughs> um, but Corey. You have your own podcast as well that people should check out. You want to tell people about that? I do, yeah. It's called the Player Power Podcast. It's a podcast that I do with my buddy Ryan. It's basically just about general video game stuff. We do a lot of rankings, discussions about games that we're playing. We have like a homework game that we do every week. Uh, and you can find that on, we host it on Buzzsprout, but you can also find it wherever you listen to podcasts. So iTunes, Spotify, you know, tune in, all that stuff. Uh, we actually just straight up stole one of your ideas one time when we were doing the definitive yeah. ranking of art styles. Uh-huh. That was a that was a Corey idea. So we just kind of we did what we do best here on the Champions Cast and just lifted from other people and <laughs> kind of made it seem like it was our own. So shout That's out to that right. show. You should definitely check it out. Sorry, you you asked first at least. So, well, and usually I don't. It's just I, you know. Sorry, right, I friends. wouldn't have cared. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well we are back today to talk about um the legend of zelda the wind waker and that is a big reason why Corey is here today because he is a super fan of this game and uh i I feel like we needed that because today we are going to be definitively ranking the wind waker um but before we get there i do have something that i want to talk about really quick and it's actually kind of a a quote-unquote job opportunity for any super fans of the champions cast out there if you are a super fan of the show, you've been listening since day one, you've been listening for a long time, I want you to hit me up over on Discord, I want you to hit me up over on Twitter, at Spateri316, slide into my DMs. We are looking for a volunteer to do something pretty cool with the show, and um, you know, I'd, I'd rather have like someone who's really down with the show and been listening for a long time, uh, you know, kind of help us out than, than not, so if you are interested in that, uh, hit me up over on Twitter, Discord. And I will tell you a little bit about what we're looking for. Basically, we're looking for people just to go back and listen to the funny parts of old shows and let me know what parts you liked and what parts you didn't. So, uh, like I said, hit me up, slide into my DMs, and uh, we can talk some details. Second piece of business before we get on to the Wind Waker. uh, We just released a very big article all about what we want in Breath of the Wild 2. Specifically, what one change we want to see in Breath of the Wild 2. That's over on the main website, ZeldaDungeon.net. Allison, this was a pretty good list that uh, I know that you had had a hand in curating. Uh, yeah, I'm actually, so I'm a huge Breath of the Wild fan, so I'm like, I was really stoked about a lot of these things, and I was like, oh, heck yeah. So I, I'm really hopeful, and I think it'll be a, uh, something that will be a good discussion for us later. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna definitely revisit that on the show here and uh, do a little 
do a little deep dive of our own into some of those ideas. But now the time has come for us to deep dive into the Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker. And we've done a definitive ranking before. Of course, if you're following along with our YouTube channel, uh, you know that this series originated with Mossies and Gooey, the Hyrule Compendium, uh, ranking each Legend of Zelda game based on, I think it's 10, uh, yeah, it's 10 like very specific criteria. So we're going to be giving this game a ranking out of 5. And uh, there, all the different criteria are as follows. The world, the art style, the story, the pacing, the gameplay, the items, the dungeons, the enemies and bosses, the side content, and the music. So, you know, if you've been following along, you've seen this video before on YouTube. We actually covered this uh, a couple months ago doing Twilight Princess, but, you know, we wanted to... We wanted to talk about the Wind Waker because we did the dungeons a couple weeks ago and we wanted to expand on that even more. So um, it's very simple. We're all going to submit our score out of uh, out of five. We're going to talk, we're going to debate, and we're going to come to a consensus number. And uh, by the end of all this, we are going to have a final score for the Wind Waker. Before we get, uh, before we get going, is there anything that you guys feel like you need to reveal to the audience? Like anything... Any uh, any hidden agendas that either one of you have, or are we coming into this as a as a fair fight? I think it'll be a fair fight, but I have to say that after our discussion um, a couple weeks ago with the dungeons, I feel like at least two of my own rankings can be changed today. So I feel like I feel like Andy will probably have heavy influence on him. To be honest, I don't really know Corey's opinions yet, so we'll see. Well. As Andy said, I'm definitely a super fan of this game, so I, uh, I'm probably gonna come in pretty favorably for a lot of these, a lot of these rankings. But uh, we'll see. Everything for everything's for the sake of the list. So everything is for the sake of the list. Exactly. Okay. Well, I, you know, guys, I feel like this is gonna be a long show, maybe full of some back and forth. So the table's set, the stage is ready. Uh, we know how it works. Let's just get right into it and start off with category number one. Are you guys ready? I'm so ready. For sure. Let's talk about the world of The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker. Corey, you are our esteemed guest this week, so you get to go first. Rank the world of The Wind Waker from one to five. Good, good. All right. So I know, Andy, I've heard you talk not so favorably about the world of The Wind Waker. I personally would give it a four. And the reason I would give okay, it a four okay. is because this is a sentiment actually that I think I share with Gooey over at Zelda Dungeon as well. I feel like the world of the Wind Waker captures such a pure sense of exploration that really isn't present in a lot of Legend of Zelda games, barring maybe like the original and Breath of the Wild. And in, in a lot of ways, I feel like the Wind Waker had a lot of elements in it that were almost like a beta version of Breath of the Wild, where it's like, you know, once you have free reign to explore the Great Sea, then it comes to a point where you're just sailing, you see a tiny little dot in the distance, and you're like, ooh, what's that? I want to go there. I want to go explore it. And I, lo I just love the way that that's laid out in the game, and it just captures such a pure sense of exploration. Um, the reason that I gave it a four and not a five is because I do I don't think that it's too sparse like a lot of people say, but I I think I would have liked maybe a couple more settlements like a few more towns, maybe they right. maybe they could have replaced like some of those eye reefs or something with more interesting islands. But other than that, I really like what they were going for. 
Okay, um, Allison, we'll leave you for last actually because I'm gonna I'm gonna counterbalance this. Okay. Uh, you you kind of said it, and I you know I feel bad always kind of giving a low score to Zelda games, and I I just want to reiterate something that we always talk about here. When we are giving like like a low score to a Zelda game, it we rank it on what's called the Zelda scale. So like, and that means that like even if we're we're ranking a Zelda game like one out of ten, one out of five, whatever. Uh, the worst Legend of Zelda game is probably still better than 80% of regular video games out there. So I, would, I just want to make that clear. That, you know, it, even if we're giving low scores, like, I think that The Wind Waker is probably still one of the best GameCube games. Even though I'm about to kind of dunk on it here. But <laughs> I just want to make that clear. But I, I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm going to give the world a one. Dang. And uh, it's kind of for what you said, Corey. Like, there's just... There's, there's not a lot in it. It's... You go to each square on the map, and 90% of that square is water, with the exception of, like, Forest Haven or Dragon Roost or, um, you know, any of the bigger islands. So, like, I think there's four big islands in the game. And it's, like, other than that, 90% of each square is water. And, like, you know, I I kind of do get what you're saying about, like, you can go exploring and, like, you can... You're just like, what's that? I want to go to that. But I don't know. For me, it's just, like, there's there's so much water and i know that that's a meme but like it by god it's true and then like there's not like on the islands themselves like there's not a lot to do on a lot of them like you have six reefs you have a couple islands where it's just like spires of rock that you can't Mm -hmm. really do a lot on um and i don't really love the way that this game like doesn't it doesn't really tell you like if once you've been to an island and kind of done everything that you can do I wish it would give you a check or something on that island so that you know that, like, it's it's done. And I don't really love that. Um, I, I think that, like, you know, there's not there's not really a lot of... Uh, I'll, I'll steal something that Mossy said. And actually, I tried not to watch their video because I didn't want to be influenced. But, like, he, he has a correct point here. And it's like, you meet um, pretty much everybody that you ever meet in the game for townsfolk and non-playable characters by the time before you get to the second dungeon. And it's just, like... It's a little bit, I don't know, off-putting for me. I guess is the word. Um, I would have, I would have just liked more. Like I would have liked to have like a bigger portion of land. I would have liked to have more towns. I would have liked to have less water. So I, I know that's a meme, but that's that's how I feel. Allison, what do you think? Um. Okay. Well, to start off with, like a few years ago, Wind Waker was really high on my list. I'm pretty sure it was like third or fourth. And I feel like I used to be a big advocate for saying that the world wasn't empty until Breath of the Wild came out. Because now that I've played Breath of the Wild and explored Hyrule so many times, like over and over, and I'm still discovering new things every time I play that game, I I don't want to explore Wind Waker anymore. (laughs) There's too much ocean. And like the islands, they all kind of start to feel the same. You know, the little, the little ones that have minor tasks to do with them, I just feel like they start to feel the same. Whereas, you know, and maybe it's not fair to compare it to a game like as massive as Breath of the Wild, but I feel like both games kind of touch on exploration. And I just feel that now Wind Waker doesn't, it didn't age well comparatively. So I gave the world a two. Okay, okay. Mm. Um, you know what else we should kind of make clear as well? I think that there is, I think that the Wind Waker HD is maybe the most significant remake of a Zelda game Mm -hmm. versus like the original Wind Waker. So like, I I don't know about you guys, but like, I'm kind of almost averaging out between those games. Um, 
like I I'm considering and we'll get to this in like a little bit with pacing but like you know the HD vastly improved the pacing but I'm also considering how it used to be in the original game I don't know if that's kind of like with you guys as well or like I'm thinking that like you know exploring is certainly far easier with swift sail but like I'm, I'm also kind of factoring in like you know back in the back in the day when you played it originally you had to play the song change the wind go and, and whatever it's so like that that kind of put a hamper on the exploration to me um so i i just you know i wanted to put that out there and tell you guys that's kind of my mentality of it i don't know mm. if you guys are are doing something similar but that's kind of, that's where i'm coming from yeah i'm i'm, I'm kind of more just you, the hd version just improved like you said it improved on those things the wind waker was one of my first zelda games so that didn't really bother me back in the day but even even so, now, the only version that I see myself playing for as long as I'm going to keep playing this game is HD. So I'm kind of just right. thinking of the HD version when I think of it. I am also thinking more of the HD version, just because I feel like if you... I don't want to say this for everybody, but in my experience, I've only played the GameCube version once back when it first came out. Like, way back there. So I have more experience in the last few years 2013 that i've been playing hd so that's that's the game that i think about there it almost feels like they're two different games at this point in a way yeah, yeah. in a way um but it's it, see so i'm an old dog so i i've <laughs> played the, the original gamecube version more and like i just played hd for the first time like not that long ago mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm doing my best to kind of average them out here so i just wanted to put that little uh asterisk out there for you guys all right, let's move on and let's talk about the art style of the Wind Waker. And you know what, actually, Corey, I think that I could be influenced because I'm I'm not sure. So I want to hear you go first, and then Allison, I want to hear you. Okay. So for going art style, that's this is one of the few categories where it's just an instant five for me. I'm I'm definitely sure that nostalgia plays a part in that. Um, but regardless, I think out of the 3D games visually i think this one was least in need of a remake or remaster and that's that's only talking about the visuals because i feel like right. i could go inside and i can pop wind waker the gamecube version into the gamecube right now fire it up and it would still look great there's definitely a few areas where maybe the lighting was definitely improved in the hd version but for the most part because of the cell shaded art style Everything in the Wind Waker feels like it belongs together. I don't think there's a lot in that game that sticks out and feels like, oh, that that feels like it, you know, shouldn't belong. That looks weird, you know. And I just feel like they were going for such a happy, poppy aesthetic, and I think they really nail it, and it's consistent throughout the entire game. And that's just the general art style. Like you even especially in the HD version, you look at like the detailing in some of the dungeons, like the Tower of the Gods and stuff like that, the really cool stylized like swooshy patterns for lack of a better word that they have plastered basically around the whole game. I I just think the whole thing is constantly a delight to look at. It never feels like something doesn't belong and it's just consistent the whole way through. You know what? I, I don't really disagree with a lot of that, actually. Uh, Allison, what say you? Um, I gave the art style a four, and I I honestly think that one of the reasons that people did not like the art style at first is just because it was such a change. Like, it was a very drastic change. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, a lot of people don't like change. I'm one of those people. But now that it's like, now that it's several years later, I feel like it was a really good change for the series because it's shown that the series can be diverse and evolve over the last several years. And there's just so many different art styles. And I think that I kind of feel like Wind Waker is the start of that. So I personally like the art style. I think all the characters and all the like enemies and monsters and bosses have a very unique look compared to other Zelda games that we've seen. Like Moblins, right. they look awesome and intimidating and also kind of comical. And I really like that. Um, I, I also just like, like, yes, it's toony and it doesn't feel very realistic, but it's a video game. You know, like, I I just, I appreciate that what they were trying to go for. And I I appreciate that they made that change. And it was kind of a, it was kind of a risky move. But I feel like they did a good job there because it's shown that we can go in so many different directions with the series. And that change is good. Yeah. And I I also, I think there's something to be said about the fact that it was such a drastic change. But if you look at most Zelda games moving forward, there's a huge chunk of them that either take the official artwork or the in-game art style and basically base it completely on the Wind Waker. Like, both DS games are totally going for the Wind Waker's art style. Like, even even stuff like the Minish Cap. Cap. Minish Cap uses that same official artwork and it uses the same model for Moblins and stuff. The same design, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? You guys, you guys have convinced me. Originally, I gave this a 3, but I'm going to bump it up to a 4. Um, because I, I think that both of you made really good points. Corey, I think that you can absolutely fire this up on the GameCube, and it still looks great, actually. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's it is crazy, actually, because it's kind of unrelated, but I was also playing Metroid Prime the other day, and I was like, man, this this looks incredible still. And, like, um, the Wind Waker, I think, is right there with it. So, like, I uh, I, I do love the, the presentation. And, like, Al, like you said, I think that, you know, uh, I would rather have this than like ugly Twilight Princess because <laughs> I think that that was kind of a knee jerk reaction to a lot of people complaining about this. Yeah. And I think like as the years have went on, like far, far, far more people would would say that like the art style of the Wind Waker was superior to the art style of Twilight Princess because as we all know, yes. <laughs> um, but my original, my original reasoning for a three is like I actually love the way that the world looks, like all the like the buildings, the water, everything like that, like the greenery. Um, but it, the, the only thing I don't like is actually the characters and specifically Link himself. I always thought that he looked kind of dumb and like like bobbleheadish, And like, I, I kind of get that's part of the charm, but it didn't uh, It didn't always land with me. I thought that maybe you could have made it like still kind of have that humory slapstick style, but like maybe you made him a little bit more of a realistic figure, kind of a la Skyward Sword. Um, but you know what? I, I mean, it, it does work for this game, so... I, you know, whatever, I'm, I'm going to give it a pass. I'm going to give it a four. Um, even though I, like I said, I think some of the actual characters look a little bit goofy. There are a lot of characters that look really cool. Like all of the, the, the what about Zill? Korok children. Zill, the booger kid. That's a, that's a top notch character design. If I've ever seen one, <laughs> that was who I was thinking of actually when I was like, this is a three. <laughs> oh, I love him. Oh, um, you know what though? I, okay. I, I'm going to give it a four. Um, and let's move on to our next category, which I am also going to give for, and that is the story of the Wind Waker. Uh, you know, something very simple about this story really works for me, like how kind of simple and straightforward it is. Like, um, you know, your sister has been kidnapped. you got to go get her back. And along the way, you meet these rambunctious group of pirates. 
and uh, it, it never feels like it always feels charming to me. And uh, I think that Ganondorf was, uh, I think he was really well utilized in this game. Um, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people say that this is the game where he has the most characterization, and I'm not sure that I would argue with that actually. So uh, I thought that the, I thought the final battle was really like really awesome. It was cinematic. That was great storytelling. Um, and like I, I thought that all the characters kind of came off well. Um, you know, it's like I said, it's something simple about it, but it it doesn't feel dumbed down. It just feels like a good kind of hero story to me, and I and I like that. Um, and you you know you combine that with all the engaging characters that you meet, Medley, Makar along the way. Um, you know, the King of Red Lions I think is a pretty is a pretty good uh, companion. So this in this one's working for me. What say you guys? What about you, Corey? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I actually also gave it a four. This might be one of the only <laughs> categories we're going to get the exact same score on. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, probably. Yeah, I, like you said, it's just a pure... It's a it's an adventure. It's just a pure adventure. The motivation for the adventure in the beginning is a really great reason. It's not just like, oh, Link, you're destined to go out and save the world immediately, even though you didn't know about this before. Yes. No, he's literally yes, going I, to try and save that. his sister. His little sister. That's a that's a great. I thing. I love that because like you watch like comic book movies sometimes and it's like it's like the absolute fate of the world. Exactly. There's like buildings getting destroyed. I just love how this one starts smaller. You know. You can, yeah, you can only it's got that you can only do spirit. you can only do the brand new hero being thrust into his destiny so many times. You know. Yeah, I agree. And um, yeah, I just I just think it's great. Most of the way through, there's a little bit of a lull towards the latter half of the game, but even that's probably why I would give it a four instead of a five. But also, one thing I love about the story is that I think, in my opinion, this game has one of the coolest backstories of most of the Zelda games, mainly because it provides such a awesome context for the world itself. You know, like you can you can come up with gameplay reasons, maybe in development, why they would want to have like a giant ocean as the overworld but the fact that like the reason in game that you have to travel across the sea is because the ancient kingdom of Hyrule was flooded by the gods I think that's so rad and then you of course you go down and you you see this frozen in time relic of a castle and I just think that's such a fantastic story beat I don't disagree. Me neither. I I am actually right there with you guys. I gave it a four. And it's... Oh, wow. <laughs> Four's we're all, all across the board. Make it Ooh. a three for... Um, hey. I, you know what? Every time I think about like the story of Wind Waker, I think about me and one of my... My whole family knows that I'm obsessed with this series. And then one of my brothers that's kind of like the least into it, uh, Colton, he came over one day and I was playing this game. And we, we kind of got a little wine tipsy and started talking about the story. And we had a very deep conversation about it. And he doesn't even like Zelda. But I really got him into this game and this, with the story of it. And um, like Corey said, like it's such an insane concept that you, you've realized this whole, this whole series that the gods are supposed to be protecting this, this, this world, the Hyrule. And they got so fed up with things that were going on that they flooded it. And now um, the king is like, you know, he's trying to make amends for mistakes that he's made, mistakes that his people have made, and mistakes that Ganondorf has made. And he finds this random kid who's just trying to save his sister, and he's like, dude, you're my only hope. Can you, let's, let's 
let's save your sister, but let's also kind of save the world. And it also, I am convinced that Link was never supposed to be that hero, but he kind of earns it by the end. And you could tell yeah. by the king's reaction when he gets the Triforce. So I think that's really cool because, like you guys were saying, it's you can only have the, uh, you know, the destined hero has to save the world so much, but this is where he kind of earns that spot to save the world, and I thought that was really really cool. So I also gave this a four because, even though it looks like toony and kind of funny and like it's just a cartoon, it still has a really deep like enriching story to it, and I think that's I think that's awesome. Yeah, going off of that really quick, one more thing I want to just point out about the ending. I feel like it's such an impactful ending, and it's almost kind of meta, because of of all the Zelda games, I think you could, if you look deep, you could probably say that like this Zelda game is about something, like it has a general theme, but I think this one has one of the most cohesive ones in that it's kind of about letting the past die but moving forward with hope. And I think that totally comes across in that in uh, the farewell of Hyrule King in his little monologue when he's mm-hmm. talking about like you t- I'm gonna stay here, you two are gonna go up there and you're gonna start your own new world, and it's meta because basically they're the ones that go and discover new Hyrule and start the entire you know tune branch of the 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 adult timeline basically. So they gave us Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Well. Uh, no, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think it's really cool. Um, and uh, yeah, this will I think almost assuredly be the only category that we're all in agreement on, because we are getting to the pacing and progression. You know what, Allison? Why don't you kick us off here? Okay. <laughs> I feel this, and this is kind of going back to what you were saying earlier, Andy, about how you're trying to mesh GameCube and Wii U. But I personally was thinking only of the Wii U when I did this ranking because it's so well improved that I kind of feel like the GameCube version is obsolete for most people. So I gave the pacing a five. Oh my God. (laughs) I knew. What, what game are you playing? I just, you know, it's, it's kind of a middle. So I don't know how to explain this. There's shorter Zelda games, right? Like you've got the legend of Zelda. It's pretty quick. And then you've got right. games as long as Skyward Sword and Twilight Princess, and it just feels like a crawl, and it's just, sometimes you're just like, oh, I just don't even want to play this game anymore. But with the way that the Wind Waker is paced, I never feel that. Like, the dungeons, um, like, how do I explain this? Traversing to each dungeon isn't a chore. Um, and, uh... <laughs> Um, the dungeons themselves aren't very long and like I feel like they just have the the perfect amount of time there are a couple of lulls I get that but I feel like the along with the story aspect in the pacing of it it just makes up for it in my opinion so the fact that they improved the sailing with the swift sail the fact that they have improved the triforce hunt with you know not having to pay for all the pay tingle like a million times um, and the fact that there's not a million dungeons, it's not super long, it's not super short. I just feel like it's a good middle-of-the-pack Zelda game as far as pacing goes. So I gave it a really high score. If I was dead, I'd be rolling in my grave right I don't now. know how <laughs> to explain it. I just feel like it deserves that spot. <laughs> so, All right. If I, if I may kind of piggyback off of that a little bit. 
Oh, okay, Corey, you you talk some sense into her here. Actually, I <laughs> was going to give this a three, but Al convinced me to bump it up to a four. Woo! Oh, come on! <laughs> so, so Love this, it. the pacing argument is one that I frequently hear about the Wind Waker, and I'm not quite sure I 100% get it. Because the first few dungeons you do... So basically, you do Forsaken Fortress, and then you do Dragon Roost, and then you got to go straight to Forbidden Woods or whatever and do that. But then after that point, it kind of branches off, and you get to that section, and the world opens up, and you can do a ton of stuff after you beat the Forbidden Woods, right? So you can, at that point, you can either choose to say, hey, I want to continue progressing in the story, so I'm going to go straight to Great Fish Isle, finish up whatever, you know, finish up that first half and then do Tower of the Gods and then just keep chugging along through the story, right? But at that point, it also gives you the autonomy to start doing things at your own pace. And that's kind of something that I think is a concept that was definitely brought out more robustly in Breath of the Wild, but it's another sort of beta aspect of that that's in The Wind Waker, where you don't necessarily have to continue pushing forward the story if you want you can start going to islands that have, you know, Triforce shards or Triforce charts. And you can start doing some of that stuff a little bit early. And then once you get to the point where you do have to do the Triforce chart quest, the game gives you the autonomy to take it at your own pace entirely. And you can route out which island you want to go to. All right, I'm going to get this chart and then I'm going to decipher it and then I'm going to go get that shard and then maybe I'm going to play some mini games if you know what I mean. It gives you that choice of how you want to approach the next section of the game. And that's a section of the game that I feel like a lot of people complain about because they're like, oh, it takes too long, it's a slog, it's a lot of sailing. And I think that might just be, I don't want to say poor routing on the player's choice, but it's kind of up to you how you do that section of the game. And to to make a comparison... I know, I know you guys are huge Skyward Sword fans, and I'm definitely a big fan as well, but there's a section of that game, I think, where you have to get the, um, the hero's song, and mm-hmm. you're returning to a bunch of the regions, and you have to do a bunch of stuff in order. Yes. That feels a little bit padded and a little bit like you're kind of being pushed along a line, and because it's a line, you can see forward, and you're like, this is taking me a while, and you feel that. But because the Triforce chart quest, because you have the autonomy to do it at your own pace and to do it in basically whatever way you want, it doesn't feel that way. Which is that's something fair. that I think Allison might have been hinting at. Yeah, that's what I, I had a hard time trying to say what I wanted to because I was so yeah. flustered that <laughs> Andy had such a reaction to my five. But <laughs> that's exactly right. Like, I get what you're saying about Skyward Sword. It's something you have to do in that moment. There's not a whole lot of side stuff you can do around getting the the Song of the Hero, at least that late in the game, in my personal opinion. So it feels like it's long because you're just trying to get to the end, whereas Mm -hmm. Wind Waker, you have so much more to explore. I mean, if you're a speedrunner, it does feel like it it has that line that you're talking about. That's actually why I would give it a five is because I've been been practicing the game a little bit and, like, Mm -hmm. there definitely are sections where if you want to go in a straight line, you're kind of just, like, waiting in the boat, you know? Yeah, that's right. But, I mean, that's just the nature of the overworld. Yep. So I I agree. All right. I'm going to take both of you to task, and I'm going to give it a one. Oh, my God! (laughs) 
I I am not letting the original GameCube version off of the hook here like ah. you guys have. We want to talk about first. Let's break this down in a couple different ways. So we want to talk about earlier the freedom to go explore anywhere that you want. Uh, you know what? You kind of do have that freedom, but in order to do that, you have to stop. You have to bust out your Wind Waker. You have to play the the Song of Wind. You have to change the direction, and you have to hope like hell you don't overshoot it at your destination, or maybe overshoot the treasure chest that you're looking for. Because if you do, you gotta bust out the song, you gotta bust out the Wind Waker, you gotta change the direction again, and you gotta go back. So that is frequent in the Wind Waker. Granite, it's fixed in the Wind Waker HD, but I'm not letting that off the hook. That is a killer of the Wind Waker right there. Every time that you want to change directions, bust out the Wind Waker, play a song, change a direction, and there's no escaping that the entire game. You want to you you dismiss the Triforce quest, but like I'm not letting it off the hook. Talk about a absolute momentum killer. Like you're you're kind of reaching the crescendo of the game and instead of building on that, you are forced to then go and explore all around the world and find these these shards, which then you have to take to Tingle and pay yeah. him an exorbitant amount of rupees. And you probably don't have those rupees, so you got to go and find those rupees. And it's like, it just grinds to an absolute stop. And it's one thing if you can go back and it's a fun little quest or, like, it's hidden somewhere. But, like, I, to me, I'm just like... These are just kind of lame rooms. Like you, you crawl under a mansion, which you have, to get to that mansion, you have to go and collect joy pendants. Like that's uh, again, like just a, another collectathon. But like just stuff like that, you have. It, they're just to me, they're uninteresting quests that you have to do, and you have to do what is it, eight of them in order to reunite the Triforce. And then you have to get them to cipher it. So it's almost mm -hmm. like you have to do sixteen steps at the end of your game, and it's like, boy, oh boy, this is like. I just want to. I just want to beat the game here. I'm going to make another comparison, actually, to Metroid Prime, which I was just talking about. In that game, you you do have to collect 12 artifacts, and um, you know if you don't have them by the end of the game, you have to go back out and get them. However, Metroid Prime will allow you, for the most part, to pick up those artifacts on your way as long as you know where they are and how to get them, even though they're kind of hidden in secret. Uh, the Wind Waker does not allow you to do this for the most part because Sure, you can go anywhere that you want after the Forest Haven, but you don't have items equipped to get onto half the islands that you're going to need to go to. So, like, mm -hmm. you can show up there and map them, but you can't really do anything on them. And then the game doesn't tell you if you've got all what you need to do on the island or not. So it's like later in the game, you're guessing, if, well, maybe I should just try here. Maybe I should try there. Maybe I should try this island. And it's like, boy, this is not this is not fun. Um, I, I think that, like... The Wind Waker HD, yes, addresses a lot of these concerns and and fixes, but even so, even the even the Triforce quest that they have to me still feels like the game is grinding to a halt for a little bit, which is like not what I want before I go and fight the final boss. Like imagine an Ocarina of Time, if you had if you had finished the Spirit Temple, you're just like, okay, this is sweet. I'm gonna go and fight Ganon at his castle, and then. Uh, they're just like, actually, sorry, you need to find all 100 Golden Skull Tulas before you can get in here. That That is what the Wind Waker pretty much does to you before you go in there. So that that's a one for me. Uh, I, I could maybe see, like, I could maybe see, like, a two or a three if you're a big fan of the Wind Waker. But I, I don't know. A five to me is just, like, 
you might as well be speaking in tongues because I don't understand. <laughs> well, you're so you're saying I that could, you don't want to. There's my rant. <laughs> there's my rant about the Wind Waker's pacing and progression. <laughs> I I understand what you're saying that you don't want to let the GameCube version off the hook, but at the but for me, I feel like Nintendo saw their mistakes and they admitted to their mistakes, yeah. and when they made the remake. They, their improvements, their quality of life improvements, where you don't have to play the song a million times anymore, or you don't have to spend a million rubies, or rubies, rupees on the charts. I, have you been watching the Zelda cartoon? <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like, I just feel like those improvements make up for it. Like they, they're like, here, sorry about that dumb mistake we made, and I'm like, it's okay. I really like oh, this. Okay, but I'm, I'm with you. Al. Even in even in HD, even in HD, when you see in the water like the glowing parts where you need to to get the crane down, like how often do you just overshoot those parts? You have to crawl back and you have to circle around. Like it, maybe it, I don't know. Maybe I'm a bad player, but like it happens all the time, and it's like, god damn, just let me. So let me kind of get the general area and sink it down and pull it back up and like I uh, I, I don't know it's it, it just leaves a a bitter taste in my mouth when I think about like the Triforce quest and I think <laughs> about like just sailing to and fro because the the other thing too is like um you know I really I wish it was more streamlined like yes I get that they tell you where the Triforce pieces are but like I I don't know for me it's just like I would have loved to have a way to know exactly what island still has something of relevance on it, what doesn't, and maybe what I need to to get these Triforce pieces ahead of time before sailing to somewhere, finding out, like, oh, actually, I don't have what I need. Well, I better come back. I haven't, I haven't done a full playthrough of the HD version in a while, but didn't they implement something where it's, like, on Tingle's incredible chart that shows where the either the shards or the charts are? Yes. Isn't there something where it puts yes. a little X or a check once you've gone there? Uh, once you've gone there, yeah, but I, like, I guess I just mean for, for me, I would have rather just had, like, for every island, like, when you've got what you need to get off that island, it just, it puts a little X or something like that, you know, because, like, for me, it just, it limits the amount of exploration I want to do, because it's like, okay, like, do I, have I went here, am I not, like, do I need to go back for something, so, that, you know, that is what it is. That's fair. I do do think, okay, so, but... We're we're right in the middle. We've got a three point three three average on pacing and progression here, so this is fine. I, uh, this is I fine. don't know. We, we we're gonna we're gonna go long here for sure. Um, so we let's keep moving here, guys. Uh, gameplay and uh, just combat in general. Um, Corey, what do you think? Hmm. <laughs> I think I'm gonna go with a four. I think originally I would have said a five. Um. Mainly, the reason for that is that in a lot of Zelda games, in a lot of 3D Zelda games in particular, sometimes the combat can feel a little bit clunky to me. Uh, It feels like that. Honestly, I I might get a little bit of flack for this, but it feels especially like that to me in the 64 games. I just feel like sometimes you do jump slashes and they feel almost weightless, and a lot of the enemies that you fight, it just involves a lot of waiting, and I just don't... the, The sword combat particularly the sword combat in those older N64 games don't feel as great, whereas in the Wind Waker, everything feels smooth like butter to me. Yeah, It feels like all the moves are completely fluid. Everything has weight to it, but also your sword slashes are incredibly quick, and the feedback that you get with that slicing sound is just so satisfying. And I know that um, uh, Masi's and Goo a little bit kind of dunk on it because it's, it's the press A to win thing. 
but I think there actually are a lot of different ways that you can fight enemies with the different weapons that you have. At least in my playthroughs, that's something that that I've always had fun with is experimenting what items that I can use on the enemies. And I just feel like almost all enemies, even towards the end of the game, when you know there's not a chance that you're going to die, you have all the items, all the upgrades, and everything like that. Even just fighting like a camp of bokoblins is still fun. Because it's like, let me just go slash these guys up and just watch them go flying. I just think it's a really, it's a fun time every time you get into a battle in that game, in my opinion. Uh, Allison, I'm, I'm going to go ahead here if you don't mind. Uh, Corey, I agree, actually. I, I think that that press A to win thing is silly. I don't like that. Hmm. Um, I think that, like, fighting enemies, even if you are just kind of, you know, pressing A, it feels really good when you're chopping people and you can you could time your rolls and get behind people and do kind of cool moves. Um, I, I would have given this a four, but since this is gameplay slash combat, I'm going to focus on gameplay a little bit and I'm going to knock it one point because of sailing, which mm -hmm. I, I just, I'm not a huge fan of. Um, I, I just like walking places instead of sailing. So like, uh, other, if it was just combat in particular, I would give it a four because I, I actually really agree. I like the rolling. I like all the moves that you can do. I, I really like the, um, the, like enhanced spin attack i think that that yeah. looks bonkers and, and it's wild but uh since it's gameplay slash combat i'm gonna i'm gonna dunk it one for sailing but um you know i think a three isn't isn't too bad yeah here. i can live with that that's fair uh, allison what say you um you just made a really good point that it's gameplay and combat because i was judging it just on combat mm -hmm. <laughs> um when I, when I was just thinking about the combat, I gave it a 5 because this has to be probably one of my favorite like combat styles for the Zelda series aside from Breath of the Wild. Like Corey said, it's so smooth. Like the way you roll is smooth. There's no like like what he... That's a good word for it. It really is just like really something yeah. else I forgot. You can pick up enemies weapons too. Yeah, yeah cool. of course. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just, like, there's a lot of smooth follow-through when you're rolling, when you're swinging your sword. I, I don't understand what press A to win means, but <laughs> is that you just... Well, I mean, just you, you kind of do that in any Zelda game, really. Yeah. Like, I, I'm going to dunk on A Link to the Past here, and I hope Mossy's is listening to this, but, like, literally, what do you do other than press A and swing your sword? Yeah. So, yeah. I yeah, I kind of don't understand that, that concept because it's just, like, it's what you do with most video games. But um, I also one of the biggest things, the biggest factors for the combat in this game for me is the music that is tied into oh, your yeah. combat, especially with. And I said this during the dungeons, especially with Phantom Ganon, when you're doing the tennis with him, the music that's going on during that fight is so like it just it gets you pumped up. I love it. Yes, thank you. Know what, you know what, Allison? I, I almost am going to go the other way because I actually don't really like how the music always plays whenever oh, you're fighting. Oh, man. Uh, Andy. An enemy. But, but, but I don't like that because the Wind Waker has such fantastic music, as we'll get to. And it's like, I want to mm -hmm. hear like the dungeon theme except and not this theme that I'm hearing over and no, over no, and no, over no, again. No. Kind of like I, we touched about. Yeah, I understand that, that where like an enemy comes into the camera and it has like the, yeah. the danger music. I get that. No, Especially when I'm you're saying, sailing. What I'm saying is when you make contact with an enemy, there's always, like, a piece, like, there's... Oh, oh, like, yeah. the, like the actual, like, the doo-doo-doo, yeah. or whatever. It's, it's yeah. A okay. yeah, I'm down it's with that. dynamic music where they add notes and stuff to go along with the song and to go along yeah. with your actions. I love that. I love that. 
but okay, Al. So, so score it out of five. Okay, here. Uh, or, uh, continue with what you were gonna say. I'll, I'll go with the four, just because you brought up the gameplay thing. As much as I appreciate the improvement of sailing, it's still kind of like a lot of sailing. So I, I really like that the swift sail is available and that there's a kind of hack to make it go faster, but it still kind of hinders my score a little bit. So I gave it a four. You know what else, actually? I I forgot to bring this up even in pacing in my big rant there, but even getting the swift sail in Wind Waker HD is kind of a pain in the butt because like, <laughs> you have to go to the auction house, you have to you have to first of all you have to do the piece of heart one and then like you have to sift through a couple different auctions and hope to god that you get a joy pen or that you don't get a joy pendant and then like you have to actually do the auction and whatever i and it's not really until after you've done dragon roost cavern that i think that that's available is that right, right after yeah dragon i think it's right after available. Dragon you don't i don't think you have to do a heart piece one though yeah I think it's rng Swift Sail can be the first one no i i think you i think you have nope. to i did well maybe maybe my rng was bad yeah. but i i exited three times and i got a heart piece three times so i was like okay well i guess i'm getting this so heart i was piece. just no. playing it actually and it popped up as my first one but then i lost yeah. the auction because i didn't have enough and i had oh. <laughs> i had to reset it like seven or eight times to get it back pacing and progression though that's a five <laughs> Hey, I, I said four. Right. <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> um, let's talk about the uh, the items here, gang. And uh, I'm going to continue my Grinchly ways here. And I'm going to kind of dunk on this and give it a two. And I, I'm going to give it a two. And this is going to kind of build off what I was talking about in the dungeon episode that we did a couple episodes ago. You know, I think that the, the items in the Wind Waker are mostly fine. Um, but they're just like they're pretty much just your standard Zelda items, right? Like the, the only new items that you really get that haven't been seen before. And correct me if I'm missing any are the Deku leaf and the grappling hook. Am I missing any? I don't think so. I think that's right. I don't think so either. So, um, when I'm thinking of that, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. These items are like, they're okay. They're not the best. And then like, other than that, you just have your standard, like bow, boomerang, hook shot. And, the, when you get those items just feels like really just a letdown to me like anticlimactic like the hookshot is your absolute last dungeon item and i was just like th- yeah this is okay um I-, I like the fire arrows and the ice arrows but again like we've had them before and i i think i was just like this is okay and i think that's how i would describe the the items of this game is like they are kind of what they are like the skull hammer is kind of cool but you don't really use it a whole lot um, I think the grappling hook is probably my favorite item, um, especially after playing Breath of the Wild. The Deku Leaf seems like a kind of a, a lame duck item to me, especially because I suck and I didn't upgrade my magic until like almost the very end of the game. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's just like, eh, th- these are these are okay. I, I feel like you guys are gonna disagree with this pick, but I just I got to put it out there. It's a two for me. I'm going to surprise you. This is one of the ones that I was saying that I feel like you could change my mind on. So before we did our Dungeons episode, I gave this a four just because I like the newer items. I I really like the Deku Leaf. I like the Grappling Hook. The abilities that you can get are are pretty cool, like the the massive spin attack and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, yeah, this is fun. There's a couple of new things on here, and I like the new things, so I'm going to give it a four. However... After our discussion a couple weeks ago, I feel like I can bring it down to a two. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm glad I can corrupt you. Yes. 
Um, Take that, Corey. (laughs) (laughs) Just because, like, you're right. Like, a lot of these items are, once again, the same that, you know, we've seen them before. And hammers are always my favorite items in Zelda games. I don't know if you guys know that. But, like, I really like the hammer in Phantom Hourglass. I really like the hammer in Breath of the Wild. And you don't get to use the hammer a lot in Wind Waker. Like, Mm -hmm. there's a couple very specific instances I could think of, and then that's it. So, that was kind of a letdown for me. And, yeah, you just, you get the bow, you get the, at like, the, the elemental arrows. And, you know, it's not as exciting. They could have had a lot more. Like, I feel like Twilight Princess does a, a good job with giving new items. You know? I, I, that's the game I think of, actually. And, like, I, you know, everybody knows I don't like to give Twilight Princess a lot of props. But, like, man, that game just gave you some really cool items. Even if you don't use them throughout the course of the game that much, like, the spinner was great. The ball and chain was great. The the Gale boomerang I thought was a, was like a perfect example of like how to update a classic and make it feel like an updated classic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I agree. So so yeah, that's the kind of scale I'd put it up against too, as far as getting something new and exciting to kind of you know get you through a dungeon instead of feeling oh I got the boomerang again. So yeah, I've been converted. It's a two for me. So I'm gonna. I'm going to stay solid with a four. I want to see if maybe I can bring Al back up a little bit. I get what you guys are saying that the one thing I will concede is that once you get an item in a dungeon, Wind Waker's dungeons don't particularly do a good job of emphasizing the use of that item. In particular, I'm thinking of maybe like Tower of the Gods where you get the bow and then once you have the bow, it's like, yeah, you have a bow that you can use to shoot enemies but other than that, you just use it on the boss and you use it to hit some eyeball switches, right? But mm-hmm. the big thing about the items of the Wind Waker for me is not just how they're used in the dungeons, but how they're incorporated into the world and how you can combine them for different uses. And that's something that actually a while back when Taylor played uh, Wind Waker HD for the first time, I wrote like a very long comment talking about how the incorporation of items into this game is actually kind of like subtly really clever because it does things this is basically one of the first Zelda games correct me if I'm wrong where most items you get have multiple uses whether it's a combat use or an overworld exploration use or something something incorporated into the sailing take for example that first item you get the grappling hook you can use that for its intended purpose which is swinging on you know, the little grappling hook sections, and you can swing to different areas to explore. But also, you can use it to nab items from enemies. You can steal their collectibles from them without even defeating them. Also, it turns into a grappling hook that you can use to scavenge up tre- scavenge up treasure on the boat. Take that into consideration with bombs as well. Those have the typical Zelda, I'm going to blow up a rock use but then it also becomes a cannon on your boat and gives you a way to fight overseas enemies. The Deku Leaf as well, you can use it to push things, but you can also use it in that paraglider effect, which totally transforms the way that you're looking at the 3D space. Because you can, you know, it's basically like leapfrogging from ledge to ledge as long as the wind is going in the right direction. And then say something like, even even something like the hook shot, which I know, Andy, you were saying that that's not, that's definitely not one of your favorites in this game, and it's one that's been seen before. 
but even in this game, if you combine it with the iron boots, instead of pulling you to somewhere, you can pull heavy objects to you. And it's just clever combinations and things like that that really make these items in this game great to me. Not not a five, but a four. Uh, you know what? I, I, I can totally uh, accept what you're saying. I, I don't think that it's enough to change like my opinion on it but i i can appreciate like the point like i mean you do make a good point where like you can kind of mix and match some items and in different combinations and stuff Mm -hmm. um i i think like yeah for for me it's it's maybe not enough to sway me but uh, i i can appreciate what you're saying what about you Uh, what about you al did he change you uh I don't know (laughs) that's a two for right there we're sticking with the two sorry dang Okay, we're gonna we're, let's move on, and we're gonna talk about dungeons here. And uh, I'm I'm gonna go first if you guys don't mind, um, because actually I have to bring it back to pacing yet again, yet another reason why pacing should be a one or a zero if that was allowed. Wow, Andy. Um, so I think that the dungeons are a two, and uh, I you know we got in depth into the dungeons last uh, a couple episodes ago. The, another reason for pacing and progression and why it, it should be nothing is the last two dungeons that you do in this game are they should be the best dungeons in the game and they should be some of the best in the series but instead you have to whip out that wind waker play that command melody and you have to do that a bunch of times over and over and over again to control your companions not once but twice in different dungeons and it's such a bummer and it's such a again a momentum killer and like it feels like it takes me forever to do a dungeon that shouldn't take me forever to do because you know allison i know that you're a speedrunner and you play this game a lot and you kind of have it rooted out and memorized how you should do it but the average person is not and you know i had played wind waker hd it was the first time i played wind waker in like probably a hot three years so i was just like oh what do i do and i had to play that melody like 20 times in the earth temple and i was like this sucks so that's that is yet another reason why pacing and progression should be a one. But this is dungeons. The actual Andy. dungeons themselves, we spent some time on them a couple episodes <laughs> ago. I'm just like I'm just like unimpressed with the dungeons. That you know they're okay. I think the Forsaken Fortress is actually the coolest dungeon, and it's not necessarily like a quote unquote um, you know your your average dungeon. But uh, like the you know the the Wind Temple, I think is is really forgettable. Um, and not even forgettable, just like not great. Um, you know, the Dragon Roost Cavern is incredibly forgettable. Uh, it, it's, it, it is kind of like one of the most vanilla dungeons in the series, I think. Uh, and, and honestly, I think you could apply that to, to, um, the Forbidden Woods. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, I know that we did a whole episode on it, uh, not that long ago, so I don't want to waste too much of the, of your guys' time going into it again, but they're, the dungeons are very vanilla and very forgettable for me, so it's a two. Um, This is the second one that I said would be able to change my mind because of our discussion two weeks ago. I initially said four, but I think I'm bringing it down to a three. Um, I I still don't know why you like Forsaken Fortress so much. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's there. different. It's... <laughs> At least it's different than just these cookie-cutter, lesser-than dungeons, you know? This is fine. I do like the stealth aspect of it. <laughs> I, I like that you that you have to go through it the first time without getting caught. It, it makes it a little more exciting. 
But again, because I'm a speedrunner, I know how to go through it in less than five minutes. So it's 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 forgettable to me. Um, and like you said, a couple of the other dungeons are forgettable and vanilla. But I, I actually really like... Um, everybody knows this. I really like the Earth Temple. It's my favorite one from the game. I really like um, Tower of the Gods and Forbidden Woods. I'm trying to say these right because Forsaken <laughs> Fortress, Forbidden Woods... Um, we had a hard time with that a couple weeks ago. <laughs> um, I really like all of those dungeons just because you like you get to use the Deku Leaf, and I really like using the Deku Leaf. And um, I don't, and like you've mentioned, I don't have a problem with using the song to control Medley or Makar that much. But I understand Ugh. what you're saying that for somebody who's new um, or doesn't have like optimal way of doing things yet because they haven't played this game as much as I have. Like, it can be a slug. I get that, because I know how the Stone Tower Temple is, and I don't like the Stone Tower Temple because of that very reason. So, I because of that, I'm going to let my score slide down to a three. All right, Corey, what, what say you here? I know that you're a big fan of a couple of these yeah, dungeons. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with a four, I think. That's kind of a soft four. I think I probably m- could be swayed to go down to three, but I'm rather going to try and bring Al back up to a four again. <laughs> um, so something about the Wind Waker it's not winning any awards for its say puzzle design like it's not doing it's not none of the dungeons are particularly difficult to navigate none of them have particularly super memorable game changing puzzles or anything like that but where I feel the dungeons of Wind Waker excel is in the aesthetic and I think that does owe itself in part to the music and the art style of the game but whenever I'm in a dungeon I feel like I'm in that dungeon and I feel like as dungeons that exist in the world of the Wind Waker I think they do a great job of feeling like they were already actual locations whereas take take a game maybe like A Link to the Past or even Ocarina of Time or something where it's kind of just like a dungeon is a giant structure that's that just feels like a video game level, if you know what I mean. Whereas in this, I feel like they're incorporated well into the world, and that is shown off in the dungeons. Take the first dungeon, you see, well, I don't count Forsaken Fortress, really. It is a cool location, but take um, Dragon Roost Cavern, for example. Sure, it's not particularly difficult the puzzles aren't particularly memorable but i think it's super cool that it's taking place in the innards of a volcano and meanwhile you're going inside you're going outside you're climbing up to the peak and then you're ascending back down the forbidden woods it's just a it feels like it's frozen in time almost but there's like you know weird things floating around i just think that the the dungeons of wind waker have really good vibes to me I think that's the best way to describe it, is that they just have really good vibes and they feel like great locations. I can get behind that vibe oh, thing. I, uh, I can get behind I that. I don't know if I'm buying what you're selling nope. here. Um, I don't think no, it makes I, the dungeons, but I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. That's why That's why I kind of forgive. I, like The puzzles of the dungeons in The Wind Waker are usually centered around the room that it's in. So like you go into a room... And then there's a puzzle in that room that usually doesn't affect the rest of the dungeon. So it's kind of laid out in that way where it's like room to room to room to room. But what makes me... what So at that point, I just think it's kind of good. 
you know, because it does have good puzzles. I'm not saying it doesn't have good puzzles. I think they do have good puzzles, but what brings it up to that four to me is the aesthetic and the way that I feel when I'm in the dungeons, which, I mean, that must just be a preference thing, and I'm sure nostalgia comes into play, but... Yeah, you know, I think that I am... I would agree with you, except I don't think that any of the dungeons, with the exception of Tower of the God and the Earth Temple, have, like, really great music. It's just kind of like... Like, I can't remember what the music yeah. is for any of the other dungeons. And um, even when I when I can hear that music, it's, like, immediately interrupted by the, the fighting music when you whenever you fight sure. any kind yeah. of enemy. And that I feel like that's particularly prevalent in uh, Forbidden Woods. Um, I don't know. I, I think that, like, if you're playing Ocarina of Time or Link to the Past, like, those dungeons feel like they are part of, like, the Forest Temple feels like this ancient temple and you know, deep in the, in the lost woods or like the, the fire temple is like a sanctuary inside the, the, well, but that's, that's kind of like, what I mean though. Basically, except for the, except for the child dungeons, basically every other one is just an arbitrary temple that has a theme. Right. Uh, you know, I, I, I see what you're saying. I just, I, I don't know if I'm buying that's Corey. Fair. I don't know if you convinced me here. That's all right. Um, this is fine. Allison, are you sticking with uh, with the two? Uh, I said three. Thank you very much. You trying or, to I'm, cheat I'm sorry, me here? Three. <laughs> three. I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to, to the crooked commissioner here, trying to swing the votes here. Uh, yeah, I'm sticking uh, with the, I'm sticking with the three. I I like what you're saying about the vibes, but I don't think it's enough to make up for the vanillaness. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's that's fair. Um, Corey, why don't you get us kicked off on the bosses here? We still have uh, three categories to go here, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna ride this through to the very end. Let's talk about the bosses of the Wind Waker. What say so, you? So Corey? enemies and bosses, I'm gonna give a five. And th- this kind of goes if if there was a category for maybe difficulty, I would probably knock some points on that. But when I'm thinking of enemies and bosses, I'm not necessarily thinking of how difficult they were. I'm more thinking of whether or not they're memorable, whether or not I had fun fighting them. And I always have fun fighting enemies in this game, no matter what enemies they are, no matter what bosses they are. Especially overworld enemies, just because of some of the points I touched on in the combat. Like the responsiveness and the the fluidity of the moves and like the slashing feedback. It feels great to just, you know, knock around a bunch of bokoblins and watch them go flying. Um, on top of that, they have really cool AI. It's not just like they see you and they go into fight mode, which they do, but take the bokoblins and the moblins, for example. If you knock their weapon out of their hand, then they, like, freak out for a little bit and they go try and find where it is and they go run over to it and pick it up. I think that's just a really cool little, a neat little touch that pushes regular enemy combat up to another level that makes the enemies great and the bosses themselves like I said they're not difficult but I think the fights are very fun and very cinematic like take Goma for example that's a very very easy fight and you're not doing a ton of stuff but I think the fact that you're (laughs) that you're using your grappling hook to grab onto the tail of a dragon which is making the ceiling drop onto Goma and (laughs) break the shell that's such a cool concept and it's so fun just seeing Link swing over this gargantuan scorpion thing, I, that it's it's always super memorable to me, and that's that's I feel similarly about the rest of the bosses in the game. Not that any of the fights are particularly groundbreaking, right. but they're all super fun to me. Okay, Allison, what say you? Um, I am 
of the mind to give enemies and bosses a four. And the there's only one reason I want to give them a five. And I feel like Andy knows this reason. <laughs> um, but otherwise, like, I agree with everything you said. That I like the fluidity of fighting, you know, the enemies. Apparently, I, I, I press A to win. So I that's what I do. And hmm. I like it. <laughs> and... Um, I, I admit that Goma isn't my favorite boss in Wind Waker just because it feels so, like, for the thing that you were saying that doesn't matter so much because of the concept of it, it just feels kind of blah with the combat portion. Right. Um, but I like fighting Kalidamos. I like fighting Yahalath. I hate Mulgara. <laughs> and And... <laughs> And then the end fights are awesome too. Like Puppet Ganon is like insane, and then the Ganondorf fight is um, is uh, it's really epic. And I yeah, that oh, Ganon awesome. yeah. fight it's top notch. And again, the music plays a big portion of like fighting the enemies for me because like of the combat with the music thing that you were talking about with the uh, what? oh I don't yeah what you said. that too the where you the, like strike something and it makes a sound yeah the dynamic music I think music. that's so cool. That's something yeah, too so that the even the mini bosses. I think the mini boss yeah. theme is so good in this game. So I I feel like all those things push them push them pretty high up in my in my ranking, and I'm gonna give them a four. Um, okay, I was um, I was gonna give it a two actually, but you convinced me to bump it up to a three nice. because um, I I kind of I'm factoring in like regular enemies, whereas I was thinking of just bosses. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking of, like, some outside-of-the-box enemies in combat that I really like. I actually love fighting, like, the uh, the octopuses and, like, the other stuff that you use your cannon for mm -hmm. on the ocean. I think that that's always really fun. So I, I like that. So that, that can bump it up a little bit. I, I think that fighting, like, Dark Nuts and, um, like, some of those higher-grade enemies is also pretty yeah. fun. Where, like, you kind of yeah, systematically got to pick off their their uh, armor and stuff like that. It, the, the reason that I was knocking it low is because of the bosses, like the dungeon bosses in particular. Um, I actually, like, I really like fighting Goma. I think that's one of the best fights. And the Helmarok King, I think, is, is a wicked fight. Yeah. But, like, other than that, um, I think that there's a few stinkers in there. Like, I think Mulgara is, is a crappy boss fight. I think that uh, Bongo Bongo, or whatever he's called <laughs> in this game, is a crappy boss fight. Um, and who's who's the who's the, the guy in the in the Forbidden Woods that basically looks like Baronade from Ocarina's yeah, that that's another like lame fight that just basically like literally lifts the concept from Ocarina of Time and reuses it. Um, so like those those fights to me are all kind of stinkers in this. Um, and the the boss of the Earth Temple is kind of lame, and the boss of the Wind Temple. Yeah, or, I'm sorry, that's Mulgara. Uh, see that that right there should tell you kind of what I think of the bosses. Like they're not very memorable to me, but um, you know the the final boss fight rocks. The fights with Phantom Ganon rock. Uh, Helmrock King is really cool, and yeah, Goma is very cinematic, and I do like kind of water-based combat, or like you can go to the the reefs and you just have a shootout with like all the, yeah, the boats cool. and stuff like that. And the game is very generous in giving you bombs too, which also I like. So that's at least you're not just like constantly strapped for ammo. Um, so yeah, I, I I could be convinced to give that a three and bring our average to uh, to a four here. Like it? I'd be cool, I'd be cool. fine with that. I like Okay, we're almost done here, guys. We got two left. Uh, we're running long, but whatever. Uh, let's talk about the side content. Allison, why don't you get us started here and uh, tell us your thoughts? Um, I once again, ever since Breath of the Wild came out, 
this hasn't been a game where I've wanted to do the side content anymore, but when I was doing like 100% runs of this game, I really appreciated it. Um, I like getting all the figurines. I like decorating um, uh, Windfall Island with like the little pedestal thingies. And um, I appreciate that you could go to each of these islands and kind of explore them and see what was inside and what goodies you could find and all that kind of stuff. So for side content and extras, I felt I felt pretty middle, so I said a three, just because I I like those okay. things, but sometimes they can be a little difficult, like getting certain um, figurines, especially now that the the Miiverse is dead. It's kind of difficult to remember right. to take pictures of things. So, yeah, I I mean I, it's good. Like it's a good the it's a good Zelda game with good okay side content. That's I don't really have much more to say about it than that. <laughs> Um, you know what? I, I kind of feel the same. I was a little bit more harsh. I gave it a two, but I think that's just because I don't enjoy sailing to all the different islands to find the different stuff. Um, I, I guess to me, when I'm thinking about it, like I can't, and maybe Corey can correct me here, but I can't pick out like a particularly great side quest from the Wind Waker. Like maybe, maybe the one with, uh, what's her face and her moblin boyfriend or whatever, but like even that like it, it's done like relatively soon like it's not a very in-depth side quest there's not like one of like i guess that you can collect the pedestals and stuff but, like to me it's like it's not on the same level as other collection quests like like gratitude crystals or like skulltulas or or anything like that um yeah it's uh again kind of middle middle of the pack but i i knocked it a little bit just because of the sailing and again and i know i've harped on this but like just because the game doesn't tell you like when you're finished on an island so if it did that i would rate it middle but i i'm gonna go and rate it two um yeah like not you know it is what it is it has heart pieces like most other zeldas and that's that's kind of it yeah i i was original i was going to give it a four uh but andy i think you actually convinced me to bring it down to a three and the main the, oh, the yeah. main point for that being that there like you said there really is no standout wonderful side quest you know like there's no Anju and Cafe quest in this game. There's right. nothing like that. It, right. the, that being said, I think the stuff that is there is really good. It's it's all really fun for me, particularly the mini games and stuff. Like there's the there's the flight range one. There's the island where you you do like a little golfing game, where you got to blow the the balls into the holes. Yeah. There's Sploosh Kaboom, which is a a, a beloved classic. Um, and there's a lot of I don't, I don't particularly feel discouraged about going to the extras. I think that's more just because if I'm that that's based on how I'm playing this playthrough of the game. Like if I'm going into it with the mindset of, yeah, I'm going to mess around and go and explore and do some of the extra stuff, then I'm already going to go out of my way to go do it. So it doesn't really bothering me going to find it. And especially because of right. the nature of, a lot of them are scattered throughout these islands. I'm probably more prone to stumble upon them anyways. Um, that being said, I do think the stuff that is there is good. Uh, the The pedestal trading quest thing is, is fun. I like collecting figurines. I think it's a really good payoff, but it takes a little while to get there. The HD one definitely fixed right. that, being able to take 12 photos at a time as opposed to three. That was that was bad. Mm. But um, uh, 
yeah. But yeah, I just I think they're just good. Solid three. That, that's a good way to put it. I think uh, they're they're just good. Okay, gang, we're at our last category here, um, and it's music. And uh, I feel like perhaps this is one that we can all agree on as well. Going back and uh, and touching on the fact that we said it would never happen again, I think that maybe it actually could. Um, Corey, what do you rate the music of The Wind Waker? Uh, easy five, easy quick five. This, uh, the, it, I'm sure nostalgia plays a factor in this as well. But every tune in this game is so evocative and makes me feel emotion in a certain way. I think even even the tunes that you said aren't that memorable, like the dungeon ones. From they're not standout tunes that I would like, you know, listen to while I'm doing something else. But they for me they completely add to the atmosphere of the dungeon to a T and then of course there are so many standout tracks in this game like the title theme, uh, Dragon Roost Island, a lot of people really love the Great Sea, I really love the Mulgara theme, I don't know why you guys don't but uh <laughs> um, yeah it, this is just an easy one for me and then of course the, the combat the dynamic combat music I think that is such a great touch and it just makes everything feels so fun when you're playing it. Allison, what say you? I say that I usually uh, rank the music of a Zelda game based on how much I'm humming it while I'm playing. So um, Skyward Sword, for example, would be an easy five because I swear every single theme I am singing. And if you guys ever watched my streams, you would probably be really annoyed by eight hours. So <laughs> um, for this one, it's it was more of a, a three in that regard, but I did bump up my score to a four because of the dynamic combat. Um, there are several songs that I really like that I hum along to, but um, Andy kind of made a good point earlier. There are some that are interrupted by the danger music and also some of the dungeons I don't really remember what the music sounds like. So... I felt like the music itself was a three, but it's pushed to a four because of when you're fighting <laughs> and you get that follow through with the sword and then you get to hear the, the beat. I love it. So I'm, I'm a solid okay. four. Um, Corey, I, I gave it a five as well. Nice. I, you know, I, I love the music of this game. I think it's its single biggest strength. Um, you know, you mentioned the classics like Dragon Roost Island, like the great sea, um, but like there's there's a lot more oh yeah to this game as well like i think the final battle with ganondorf is like it's such a great track because it's very like it's like it's epic and intense but it also kind of has that playfulness of like the the entire game so yeah. far i love the i love the pirate theme it's like very swashbuckling kind of makes me it makes me smile when i hear it um the earth temples i talked about on our episode a couple uh, a couple weeks back is just like one of the best dungeon themes I think in the entire series. It's so like, God, it's it's so good. Um, you know the uh, there, there's just like a lot of really fantastic music in this game. And and when I was replaying it, um, I was just like, it kind of hit me. Like especially actually the title oh, yeah. theme. Um, yeah. I was surprised by how much the title theme hit me because I was like, you know to me i was like oh whatever it's this is nice but like when i was playing it i was like god this is just like it's really great and i would leave my wii u um after i was done playing i would just exit game and, and leave it on and just kind of listen to it mm -hmm. for a little bit and like um allison you kind of judge by you know if you're humming along and stuff like that i kind of judge by like if i'm smiling and, and nodding along as well so like 
I, you know, I was, I was doing all that when I was playing. Um, yeah, the music just, uh, you know, it's, it's one of the, it's another classic in, in the series. I, I think that the music is like, could be probably up there with any, like any other game. Like you could put it, maybe I would, I myself wouldn't put on the same pedestal exactly as like Ocarina of Time or Skyward Sword, but it's not far behind, um, for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this was, this was a five for me and, uh, an easy five, actually. This was the, the only one where I was like, I didn't really have to think about it. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to give us, if I'm going to give the Wind Waker five anywhere, it's going to be for music. So yeah, that's fair. And there we have it. That is, that is the entire, uh, Wind Waker ranked. So let's kind of do a little bit of a recap here. And if you'll allow me, I'm going to do some quick math so I can give you the stats. Um, but here we go. Our consensus average for the world was 2.3. Our consensus average for art style was 4.3. Story was 4. Pacing and progression somehow is 3.33 and not (laughs) 0. Gameplay is 3.6. Items are 2.6. Dungeons were a 3. Bosses were 4. Side content is a 2.6. Music is a 4.6, which brings... Our final score up to drum roll, please. Three point two three for the Wind Waker, and you know nice. what, Corey, that maybe feels a little bit low for you, but I think that's actually pretty pretty spot on for Same. me. Same, I I have a three point four, so yeah, it's pretty low actually, for me, but it's fair. It's all for the sake of the list. We're still in good territory. Well, uh, yeah, I, I mean, like just to reiterate again, this is the Zelda scale, so like a a. Zelda game that's like a three and a half basically out of five is probably like an at least a, a solid nine out of ten, if not higher, on your average game ranking scale. So um Wind Waker is doing all right. You know, we kind of we kind of threw some shade at it, but at the end of the day, like this is one of my favorite GameCube games. So and, and you know what, I'll even say that about Twilight Princess too. And I think I did say that about that game. So um but yeah, I'm very happy with that ranking. Uh and that's really that's all we got for um for this show this was a long one but i'm i'm glad that i'm especially glad that we brought you along Corey, to kind of counteract yeah. old grumpy allison and myself here. <laughs> so thank you thank you for coming on and we'll have to yeah, do this absolutely. again absolutely, anytime all right so before we get out of here i just want to mention again if you are a super fan of the show and you're interested in helping out and participating in the show make sure that you hit me up over on twitter over on discord at spateri316 And I'm going to give you guys a little peek of uh, the next couple of weeks of shows here. Um, Coming up next week, we are going to be doing an Ask Us Anything Zelda edition. So if you have questions that you want answered, silly, serious, whatever, we're going to be be hosting that over in Discord. So make sure that you get over there and ask your questions. June 7th is going to be Reliving Link in Soul Calibur 2, that time that he randomly showed up in soul caliber 2 we're gonna be talking about how that happened and i'm actually gonna dust off soul caliber 2 and play a couple matches and the week after that we are going to be revisiting our uh one thing that you would change about breath of the wild 2 list so uh, a really good couple of shows slated out coming out in the next month or so um of course hopefully actually all this gets changed we get a, a breath of the wild 2 trailer and we can talk about that but uh, i'm really looking forward to that Corey, thank you again for coming on. Where can we find your podcast again? So that is the Player Power Podcast, and you can find that on Buzzsprout. You can find it anywhere else you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, all that good stuff. All right. Well, we are going to get out of here. Of course, you can find the Champions Cast over on iTunes, Spotify, 
Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, we want you to like and subscribe. Tell the Zelda friend in your life about the Champions Cast and where they can get their Zelda fix. And uh, leave us a five-star review if you think that we have earned it. We would really appreciate that. Uh, that's it. That's all. We're going to get out of here. You can check me out on Twitter at Spateri316. You can check out Allison at Allison Aletha and Corey at Corey Richmond. Gang, thanks a lot for the show, and we will see you back here next week.